Welcome to the Yes, Young Enough to Serve podcast. We invite you to join us for encouraging stories about people over 50 making kingdom impact. We hope you'll be inspired. Here's our host, Judy Wick. Hi, this is Judy. And today I am once again at my kitchen table, ready to have a conversation with a friend that I have known. I can't believe that it's 45 years. When I figured it up before the phone call, I'm like, are you kidding me? Am I really, really this old? But anyway, we won't go there. It was 45 years ago. I was serving as a children's pastor at a church in Lodi, California. And one of the first couples that I met, they were a very soon-to-be-married couple, Jerry and Damaris Parks. Not quite. I I don't even remember Damaris's maiden name, but she wasn't a Parks yet. But I met Jerry and Damaris, and what an incredible couple. The thing that was so, if I can say unusual, was Jerry's amazing story and his background. And then you have his then fiance, Damaris, this incredibly precious Christian girl. And so you have to hear Jerry's story on why I thought that this was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is a match. But you knew after you just talked to them for three minutes that they indeed were meant for each other. What a blessing it was that God brought Jerry and Damaris together. So today we have Jerry. So Jerry, welcome to the Yes Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. I am so glad that you were willing to do this interview. And I, all these years later, I just remember your story and remember how God did something so miraculous in your life but now fast forward and then just what he is doing now with you and Damaris and just how much you both just love Jesus. So Jerry, if we can just dive right in, I would just love it if you would share with people your background, your testimony. Well, I I was born into a preacher's home. My dad kept track of his years in the ministry by my birthday of all things. And uh, fast forward to 18 years old, I left my daddy's home, and I went to hell on a bobsled. In seven short years, I ended up facing the gas chamber for my evil deeds. And the only reason I missed the gas chamber was because my dad wanted a second opinion on the fact that I had shot a cop in the middle of the chest and he was dying. So he went to the hospital and prayed for this cop. And God spared the cop's life. And that's why I missed the gas chamber. So I went on to get sentenced to life in prison and 6 to 20 and 6 to 15 years for uh, this incident. I uh, ended up in San Quentin. And on my way to San Quentin, my dad came to visit me in the county jail. And he reminded me that God could help. And I said, Dad, I'm so far gone. I don't. I couldn't live for God in your church. There ain't no way I can live for God where I'm going. But God give dad just the right words of wisdom. Mm. And he 
talked me into uh, repeating a prayer. He asked me to pray, and I didn't even know how to pray. And he said, well, will you pray with me and repeat a prayer? And so I agreed to do that. And in that moment, I asked God to forgive me. And I told him, I said, if you can do anything with what's left, I said, I'll live for you. Hmm. But God took me at my word. And and I mean, instantly a a transformation took place. Uh, It's so hard to describe the, the peace that I finally had after so many years of running. Wow. So that's what got me started. I went on to give sentence to law prescribes. The backup just clarify just a little bit that the cop come out to arrest me for an assault which I had committed, but I had been notified by a friend of mine that they thought I had a warrant. So I called my bondsman and they called me back and told me there was no warrant for me. So I'm sitting in my house contemplating what to do and a guy's banging at my door said that he's a cop, but he's in plain clothes and uh never did see him there at the door. I just sitting there. He didn't know I was in the house. Well, all of a sudden he started breaking into my house and uh, I heard the noise and I went to the window to look for him and, and I moved the curtain with my gun barrel to see him and he dropped back and shot me in the hand and it happened to be pointed. My gun was pointed straight at his chest and I didn't know it. Well, when his bullet hit me, I fired knocked him back against the tree. He fired another shot, and his wild shot caught me in the back of my leg as I spun to go for cover. Hmm. So a few minutes later, I went to the front window to look out to see what's going on, and another cop at the front got me in the head with a double-out buck shotgun. So why am I sitting here telling you my story? I'm supposed to have been dead 50 years ago. God is a merciful God. Absolutely. And uh, spared my life for a reason and a purpose. And whoever's hearing this out there, it might be the one that God wanted me to stay alive for. Who knows? So I went ahead and got sent us to San Quentin, and I'm doing life. The counselor told me to throw the calendar away. I took him at his word. He said, You got you. You're going to do a lot of time. So fast forward three years later. I literally got evicted out of San Quentin. I had no attorneys, no appeals filed, or nothing going for me other than God. And I never even prayed and asked God to get me out of prison. Hmm. So somebody, somewhere, somehow, God wanted me out of prison. And and I got out on in less than three years on a life sentence. So that was one of the first big things that, that God did in my life other than saving me and keeping me out of the gas chamber. That was kind of big. Kind of. And, uh, and then to get me evicted and busted in 1968. So you do the math. Mm. And uh, we've been living for the Lord ever since. Well, my dad got into the county jail and led me to the Lord just a few days after this shootout. So wow. God has been good for me for a long time. So you were a fairly new Christian, Jerry, when you started attending uh, the church in Lodi where I served, correct? Well, I was three years old in the Lord uh, at that time, right at it, three or three and a half. But just wanted to mention in San Quentin that Teen Challenge uh, had services in there, and, and I attended every one they had, and they were a major 
part of me staying and walking with the Lord. So I want to give a shout out for Teen Challenge. God bless them. Yes, we love, love Teen Challenge. What I remember, Jerry, and this again is like, you know, 45 years ago, but I do know that there were men, many men in the church. Bill Sluter comes to my mind, but I know there were men in our church, our pastor, who is now deceased, but Harold Duncan, that really rallied around you and discipled you, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, they did. I'll never forget Pastor Duncan. His door was never shut, and I was going through a tremendous transition from prison to the streets, and there was a lot of days I had walked into his office. He'd get me straightened out. <laughs> oh. Thank God for men that, that uh, let God let they let God use them. And then Bill Slater right. and his wife, uh, Chris, Chris, they were the first people to befriend me when I get started going to that church. I was so lonesome, lived there by myself, didn't know anybody. I just moved there for a job. And uh, I'd go to church and just praying that somebody would say hi, you know. And mm-hmm. and one day they invited me home for lunch and they took me in. They had a had three kids and his wife, and they didn't know me from Adam. And uh, they didn't know my history, my story or nothing. Hmm. But they invited me home for lunch. We've been friends ever since. They now live in Tyler, Texas, and I get back there every chance I can to have another lunch. (laughs) That lady can cook. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she can. Oh, shout out to the Sluters. I know they walk Uh, walk also like you and just... uh, (laughs) Jesus, and I loved the friendship that they had and have with you, Jerry. I think it's so powerful. So obviously, you're a biker. I don't know anything about bikes. So what kind of bike do you currently have? Well, I was raised on Harleys and uh, thought I'd never switch. But in 77, I finally moved over to a, a little more comfortable bike at the time and more dependable. So I'm riding a Goldwing Honda now. Goldwing and I've got over 300,000 miles since 2000 on motorcycles. So wow, <laughs> we're, we're still riding every chance we get. So I love that. God. And your bike is your tool and you use that to go around and tell us about some of the places where you have uh, ministered with other bikers. Well, we, we've gone to Sturgis motorcycle rally that's just the biggest one in the world and and we go back there and set up a tent and have church services and pass out bike biker bibles and just talk to anybody that'll stop long enough to listen to us and we did that for quite a few years i haven't got to go the last couple of three years but uh whenever the lord makes it possible I'll go again. Can you just tell us a story of like just someone that God has put in your path and you've been able to share the love of Christ with? I know there are many, many, many that you have uh, uh, shared God's love with, but is there just one story in particular that you could share with our listeners? Well, one that I'd like to mention that, that I got to lead a guy that used to be the local chapter of, of an outlaw club in Fresno. He came to San Quentin and by then I'd gotten saved and I got to lead him to the Lord in the San Quentin chapel. Hmm. And he is coming up on 80 years old here in a few months. And, uh, he's still serving the Lord called me the other day. and wanted me to come up and go to church with him. So I did. 
he lives in Fresno. Oh. And uh, that's that's one of my prizes that uh, I can look at and know that God spared a soul, you know. And then there was another guy that had been in all the youth authorities, and uh, he heard my testimony and came to know the Lord because of it. And he's now got a wife and three kids he's raised in church, and he takes me into the uh, youth prisons now. He works with Youth for Christ. And so he calls, takes me in and introduces me and tells me how he come to know the Lord. Then I get to tell the boys a little bit of my story and trust and pray that they'll listen like he did. Oh, praise God. Oh, Jerry, I just, I just love you and Damaris so much. I love how you love Jesus and uh, that you are so open to being used of him. Now, Jerry, if it's okay for me to ask this, can you say your age? I'm 74. You're 74. You still ride a bike in the name of Jesus. Uh, Go out there. Yes, we do. You share Christ. I just wonder if you could talk to someone now that's over 50 and for whatever reason, maybe they've just kind of gone, grown a little cold in their faith, or it's been a long time maybe since they've shared the love of Jesus with someone. What is something that you could say to encourage? And this isn't just for older adults, for anyone, but just what? how could you encourage people to be more proactive in sharing in sharing their faith? All you got to do is, is uh, get a vision of hell. <laughs> I do. And picture, picture that person you're standing there looking at it <laughs> at, at that time going to hell. Mm. What are you going to do about it? I tell you, it still breaks my heart. I've talked to a lot of my buddies and one particular biker outlaw that I talked to and and he ended up in Folsom. He was in San Quentin with me. I witnessed to him and he didn't want nothing to do with it. He got out of Folsom and he and a carload of bikers was headed down the highway and hit a car head on and killed all six of them. And I never, never forget that I've, I've held that man in my chest and hugged him and rode with him on motorcycles and there's just not much hope that he ever made it. His last uh, letter to me was, was uh, one to center and he named his club and he said forever. (laughs) Mm. He didn't want nothing to do with what I had. So at least I tried, but Mm. you win some and you lose some. And, and that's what motivates me is uh, I've got a lot of those friends still out there and, and uh, I talk to them every chance they'll let me. Mm. And some of them listen, some don't. But, yeah. but you know what? That's, that's between them and God. Mm. But I don't want to have them on my conscience and knowing right. that I I didn't at least try, you know. Well, Jerry, your your answer is so blunt and yet so true and so scriptural. I mean, in Jude it says that we are really to rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment and then show mercy to still others, but to do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. And so it's just so scriptural. Like, you know, you see that actual of that, that visual of hell and God knows we do not hear talk about hell that much (laughs) these days. But it's such a reality. And it's like here Jude is saying, snatch them from. I mean, my dad used to say that to 
us kids, it's like when you go out there today, you know, you show the love of Christ. You are snatching people from an eternal damnation of hell. And it's like, wow, that's just like, you know, I know bold preaching and talking these days, but that's what we are to do. And yet I think God just can, as Christians, fill us, consume us with his Holy Spirit and just lead people into our lives that we can make that impact for the kingdom and share his love with. So Jerry, in closing, you have been married to your gorgeous, amazingly sweet Christian wife, uh, Damaris, for, like you said, 45 years. You have had a joyful, faithful marriage to her. What would you say is one of the things that you would contribute to your wonderful marriage with beautiful Damaris? Well, in the first place, I had nothing to do with it. It was an arranged marriage. (laughs) And that's why it's worked so good so long. But uh, I had, uh, when I got out of prison, I had become engaged to a gal that I was thought I was thoroughly in love with. And too long a story, but God miraculously got me in in a very good revival way up in Coos Bay, Oregon. And he spoke to me very clear that I could not marry her. And ironically, her name was Judy, Judy. (laughs) And uh, uh, God was so clear about it. So Mm. I got on the phone and broke up the engagement and I made a deal with God. I won't date another woman till you bring my wife to me. Mm. And he made me wait two long years. And that's where I was in Lodi when, when I met Damaris, my wife, and my mother was the one that actually saw her and met her in a department store and was so taken with her personality that she come home and told me about this girl that went to certain church that I needed to meet. Too long a story, but anyway, I I went down there to look for her and there wasn't anything in that church. A lot of single girls that looked good to me. I did it twice. My mom kept asking me, did you go? Yeah, I went, mom. There ain't nothing there. Well, she wasn't there. So I went back the second time and I was leaving because there was nobody that interested. And a guy come running up to me as I was leaving the church and caught me. And he said, we're going to have a sweetheart banquet. Now, I didn't know these people. It was a strange church to me. Somehow he knew my name uh-huh. and he said, I want you to speak for our sweetheart banquet. And I'm thinking, ain't that something? I don't even have one. <laughs> well, I went to this sweetheart banquet. We're sitting there eating, and I've got all of their single sweethearts sitting in front of me, and I'm looking at thinking, which one is it? <laughs> and there wasn't anything. And just before they asked me to get up to speak, a gal walked in the back door, unescorted to a sweetheart banquet, which is very weird. The second, second she walked in the door, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's your wife. <laughs> I can't even tell the story without getting emotional, but uh, I'm thinking that's pretty cruel. I got to get up and speak now. (laughs) I can't even think. I'm looking over there and and I finally, I just had to turn to the opposite side of the room and say something. I I don't know how, if anybody got anything out of it or not, but (laughs) I spoke for a few minutes and sat down. And uh, so the rest is history. Uh, Her pastor brought her. Her pastor brought her to me after the meeting was over and introduced us. Well, That's I love what you said that it was an arranged, uh, an arranged marriage, <laughs> definitely arranged by the Holy Spirit, and it was yeah. just 
so wonderful how God mm. brought you two together and the mm. impact together that you both have made for the kingdom. Jerry, in closing, could I have you please say a prayer for our listeners and especially mm. someone that might be listening that for whatever reason, maybe their faith has grown cold, but I just pray that this, this interview will just really maybe spark something in their hearts. Could you pray for that, please? I would just love to, but I'd like to say one thing. I'm not proud of what I did and how stupid I was. And having been brought up in the right kind of atmosphere and home, it doesn't matter. Satan can mm-hmm. still steal you away from what God has for you if you let him. And Father God, we just pray that you would cause these people that are hearing this interview, Lord, that they will get something that will draw them to you and that you would cause them to get the the needed firsthand personal relationship with Jesus Christ that can change the heart of a killer to somebody that loves people. And I thank you for it, Lord, for what you have done for me and for using this podcast, this testimony, Lord, to reach some soul out there today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, so much. You're just an amazing guy. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us. You'll find brief notes from today's show and more information about Yes online at yestoserve.org. We'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend.